here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus Super J cast. Very excited today because we have got an exclusive interview with Fraser Marriott, who you may have seen online as Mr. G1, uh, the man who's undertaken the mammoth odyssey of traveling around Japan, going to every single one, every all 19 of the G1 Climax shows. So very interested to... Uh, pick Fraser's brains and hear a little bit about how he got into New Japan Pro Wrestling and what it's like visiting all these shows. So, Fraser, could you please introduce yourself and talk to us a bit about how you ended up in Japan and how you got into New Japan Pro Wrestling in the first place? Yeah, thanks, uh, Joel, and good to chat to you and Damon. Um, I, I suppose I've been living here in Japan for three years now. My wife is uh, Japanese, and before that, I used to live in Singapore. And when I uh, originally growing up, I was based in New Zealand, and like a lot of people, grew up on WWE in two areas, the sort of the Andre Hogan time, and then later after that, the uh, the Attitude Era, and then sort of uh, lapsed for a while, and then came back in around the time of uh, CM Punk. But when I was in Singapore, which is about seven or eight years ago, I used to travel to Japan uh, a fair bit for work, and uh, at that stage, I'd been reading about the New Japan uh, product in the Power Slam magazine that being a British guy, Joel, I'm suspecting you might know about that. That was always a, a good magazine that covered all the American stuff plus the Japanese stuff. So I was pretty fascinated about it. And I got to see one or two shows going up and down. But then three years ago uh, with work, I got the opportunity to, to come to Japan permanently. And my first show I saw live uh, when I got here was Wrestle Kingdom 10 at the beginning of 2016. I saw the Ishii Shibata match, uh, which uh, I'm sure probably everyone listening knows very well. That got me hooked on Strong Style, and I've been pretty much going to every single show I can since. Fraser, this is Damon. Uh, and again, we, we met uh, a few times on my travels over there. So was, was G1 always on your radar? Was that something that... Um, I mean, living in Japan and living in Tokyo, you do have a little bit, I guess, quicker and easier access than than most people here in in the West. But was the idea yours to always kind of do something like this? Again, you're traveling and and seeing every single G1 show that's in Japan. Was that was that kind of like a check uh, a life checkbox thing for you? I've got to admit, probably not. Like uh, when I used to go, as, as I mentioned before, I used to travel to Japan and go to a few shows uh, when, when I was in Singapore. But back then I used to travel around May time. So it was always the uh, Best of Super Juniors that was on at that stage. So I must admit, I didn't know 
terribly much about the New Japan calendar until I moved here permanently. Then in 2016, um, I pretty much went to all the shows in Tokyo and nearby. So that was probably about seven or eight shows in 16. Then last year, I stepped it up a little bit more and I went to 13 shows. So I, I went basically on weekends to places like Nagoya and Osaka and that kind of stuff. Then this year, I figured that, well, if I take two weeks off work, which I've uh, just started now and pretty much do the full tour section during the week, then, hey, why not? You can get them all in. So uh, that's exactly what I'm doing this time around. So it's kind of like a building up to a marathon, I think, and I'm about halfway uh, in the marathon. So hopefully I uh, survive. But there's a typhoon coming this weekend, which uh, may middle my travel plans, but hopefully not. Wow. Was that... there a specific moment? Sorry, go on, Dave. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to ask. I mean, the typhoon, That I mean, that's that's pretty frightening, number one. But number two, that, that extreme heat that you're going through right now, that's got to put a little bit of a monkey wrench on your travel plans too. Yeah, the the, the heat, to be honest, is, is pretty brutal. Um, July in Tokyo and August, for that matter, actually, is typically always pretty bad. But this year is even worse. Um, it's probably a good three to five degrees hotter than it is normally. So uh, it is kind of uh, two T-shirt through the day weather. You get so hot by about lunchtime, it's time to uh, get get changed again. It, it's pretty brutal. And I look outside here in uh, Nagaoka, which is where I am at the moment before I get on the Shinkansen to go off to Hamamatsu later, and it is baking hot outside. I went for a run first thing in the morning, and it was already about 32 degrees at 7 a.m. in the morning. Was there a specific moment where you decided – right, that's it. I'm definitely going to go to all 19 shows this year. And uh, how did that conversation go down with the wife? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're both very good questions there, Joel. The first one actually was when the fan club ballot comes out. So, I mean, there are quite a few practical elements of actually getting to 19 shows, right, other than just obviously rocking up. The first one is, and maybe this is worth contrasting to three years ago, uh, can you actually get your hands on all, uh, all 19 show tickets? Um, because these days... The popularity is so much higher than when, when I was here three years ago. So in 2016, if I balloted, and, and typically I try and go for the um, the closest seats to the ring, and every time in 2016, I would get rows one, two, or three without fail. And I've been noticing as each year goes by, it's harder and harder to get tickets. Now often, even if you're a fan club member and you ballot for them, uh, it's not always the case that you get everything that you want. Um, fortunately, I've got a few uh, friends at work who are also – pro wrestling fans. So this time around, I, I had a guy at work also go on all the ballots. So if I missed out on anything, then in theory, he would get it. Now, ironically, I got all of mine except for the final. So it was conceivable. I could have gone to all 18 shows and then missed the final itself, which would have been uh, a bit of a travesty. Um, but it was when the fan club ballot came out, I thought, screw it, I'm going to go to all of them. And then, yeah, I went home, uh, talked to the wife and, uh, yeah, she wasn't overly happy. Uh, she's definitely not a pro wrestling fan. She's a sumo fan, which is another one of my uh, passions. So we go to that quite a bit. Uh, but let's say there were certain concessions and, and negotiations made to to reach a point where I'm actually allowed to run around and do this crazy stuff by myself. Uh, well, hats off to you because I find it hard enough trying to negotiate one or two shows a year with my wife. But uh, yeah, you're clearly a professional at this. Um, how are you finding it so far with all the, we're what, just over a third of the way into the G1. So with all the, the traveling, the scheduling, how are you finding it? 
Uh, to, to be honest, it's pretty early days as far as the scheduling goes. So I'm talking to you the morning after the Nagaoka show, and that's uh, only the second show so far that's been outside of Tokyo. So the only one so far was the one day in Hokkaido. That, that was a bit of a mission, actually, because that was, that was on a Monday. It was a public holiday in Japan. Um, but they had a show the day before in Tokyo, so I had to fly up that morning. And then, because I'm already taking two weeks off for the rest of the tournament, I pretty much had to go to work on the Tuesday. So I had to catch a 1 a.m. flight from Hokkaido back to Tokyo, which landed at 3 a.m. at Haneda, then took a cab home, then uh, slept for three or four hours or whatever, got up and, and rocked off to work. But it's fair to say I didn't achieve terribly much at the office uh, the following day. Um, but but sort of now is the, uh, the, the more tour part. So... This part goes from Tokyo, um, now Nagaoka, and goes to Hamamatsu, which is further south, then Nagoya, then Takamatsu, then goes all the way down to Kyushu and Kagoshima and Fukuoka, then back up to Osaka for a couple of shows and back to Tokyo. So uh, fortunately at work, I've got an understanding PA who who helped me book all the Shinkansen or the bullet train. So I've worked out that I've got more than 18 hours on these trains. Um, so I'm sure in a week's time, you'll probably be uh, talking to a broken man if we're conversing on Twitter or something like that. But at this stage, it's very much the novelty honeymoon stage and, and everything is fine and tranquilo at the moment. <laughs> now, you said you have a little bit of experience uh, taking care of the G1s on, on weekends and, and this year is the first that you'll tackle all of them. Is there a city or, or uh, an arena that you're looking forward to going to that you haven't been to before? Uh... Actually, not really. Like, like the one place that I'm excited to go back to, and I have been there, but I, th- I think it's personally the best place, maybe Kodokuen uh, in Tokyo aside, would be Osaka uh, Edian Arena. That crowd, and, and I remember uh, Joel was there quite recently. Uh, mind you, that was Osaka Joe Hall, but it was Osaka all the same. The crowds in Osaka are super hot. They tend to get very, very excited by stuff, and... I think both of you probably know in the G1, Osaka always has a reputation for having a lot of upsets. So that's where Juice Bet Kenny and Evil Bet Okada last year. And that was such a hot show. When the crowd are all excited, they stamp their feet. It's a great place to be. And I think maybe in recognition of just how good a crowd it is, this time around, there's two shows in Osaka running on consecutive nights on one of the weekends. So I think there is uh, where I'm really keen to go. But I would say last night, actually, in Nagaoka, where, where I've just been, uh, that, that was a very nice venue and a very good crowd for that as well. And they put Sonata on top of the card. He's from this prefecture, Niigata. So he was uh, super popular and obviously going on for a big win over Ibushi in the main event. And then he did his, what I believe, you guys will probably know better than I do, I think it's Sonata's first ever promo that he's actually delivered in, in, in New Japan. And that went down... Really well as well. So I wonder if uh, we've seen a bit of a star in the making last night. I think so, yeah. I mean, that was pretty tremendous. Now, let's get into the meat of, of, of why we're talking here. And, and this is the G1. We wanted to get someone who is live, who is there in every arena, the perspective that you have um, that you can share with not only us but our listeners. And we certainly do appreciate it. What has been a highlight? Let's let's talk overview for just a moment, and then we'll get into some specifics. But what's been the highlights? What's been the big takeaways from you from a live experience? What are some of the things that I guess you'll 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 take with you to your grave? What what are the things that you'll remember from this G one? Um. Well, well, I think in general, and it's certainly been true through the G one as well, is that 
Your average Japanese uh, pro wrestling fan ha has very much a positive inclination. People are there to have fun. They're not there to try and shit on any of the performers or bitch about what they don't like. They're there to have fun. They're there to enjoy themselves. And one, one thing I've been trying to do on Twitter each day is, is just share a few photos of uh, how things have been. And what you will see on New Japan World, I'm sure, and you certainly see when you're outside the venue before and afterwards, is a real mixed demographic of fans here. You've got, you've got um, a lot of young female fans who sort of uh, – all into, you know, how hot certain wrestlers are or whatever. You've got a lot of salary men, the Japanese businessmen who come along. You've got your classic sort of single male fans as well. Then you've got families. It's it's a really positive vibe and, and everybody is there to have fun and everybody's respectful of the performers um, and of each other. So I really, really like that. I think if we get more specific on the G1 this time around, I think certainly if feature of the matches so far has been the uh, shenanigans and interference, I guess, of uh, uh, various individuals. And it's been quite interesting, um, especially for me coming from New Zealand. There's quite a few New Zealand performers in the company. We've got Jay White, who closed night one. We've got Hanare, who opened night one. And you've got Farley from there as well. So it's been interesting because a lot of those guys, have, um, particularly Jay White and Farley, have been at the centre of stuff. I think as far as Jay White goes... Um, you know, I was there as as was you, Damon, back in Wrestle Kingdom, where that first match he had was very, very flat. I thought they built it up pretty poorly. And I was sort of a bit nervous for him going into G1 to see sort of how he would go. But certainly he's been over right from the beginning, I think. And I, and I think what's really helped him is that interaction he's been having with Yo on the, uh, on the undercards. In, in, in the past, I think, the G1 schedule has been a little bit guilty with the undercards of just sort of having five or six matches and, you know, everyone looks a bit tired and doing the basic stuff. But this year they've been telling a lot of their stories via the undercard, which I've quite liked. And I think Jay White's doing a lot of classic sneaky heel stuff, but I think he's got his own personal style to that as well. And this whole manipulation of the old thing is, is, is really interesting for the crowd. I think they're finding his matches Really, really good. So right from the beginning, I, th I think he's really got the audience reaction that you might expect. You contrast that with the Tongans, who have been a sort of a popular talking point on Twitter, but theirs is more, for me at least, live. And who knows, it's only eight shows, right? So there's still another 10 to go, so this might change. But I think it's kind of been evolving. Right at the beginning, when they did their sort of first run-in on sort of night one or night two, whatever it was, I thought it was a very flat reaction. No one really seemed to care terribly much then sort of maybe second third fourth time it seemed as if people were getting a little bit sort of annoyed and frustrated which is unlike japanese fans as i said before they're not ones to to complain too much but they i got the sense they really weren't enjoying it as opposed to sort of the heel reaction that you're expecting but then last night i think when you see the baby faces as it was so naito and loj sort of uh, or lij rather even the odds there. I think the crowd were quite up for that. So when um, Bushi came out to uh, to face Fale, everyone thought he was going to get his ass kicked. He you know, blew the mist or whatever. And that really got the, the audience going. So maybe it's kind of go, going in the way that they, they first envisaged. Um, but it's certainly been evolutionary, I think, so far in terms of the audience reactions to those guys. Now, you spoke a little bit about the fans and attendance and some of the photos you've been on uploading one particularly memorable photo that i love was uh, seeing the family with uh, i think it was the mother and father dressed up as show and yo 
and their little girl dressed up like Okada and it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. So is that a regular thing, the, the costumes, the cosplayers and what's the, the best ones that you've seen so far? Yeah, co- cosplay culture is, is pretty big in Japan and, and certainly around Tokyo, I, I see the same probably six or seven guys. And I think it was after Hachioji on day seven, uh, I, I posted um, uh, a photo of those guys, probably four or five of them. There's a couple of uh, Desperados. There's a Marty School guy who's always there in Marty School. Being the good guy that he is, quite often goes and gives him a two sweet before his matches and stuff like that. And then there's a a guy is Okada, and and I like that because he's even dyed his hair red since um, Okada's gone into this whole uh, crazy depressed post-championship uh, rain thing. Um, then the, the fun thing for me is, is as you go to other locations, you do see new cosplay fans. And, and that photo I took of, of the really cute little girl in her Rainmaker uh, costume with, with her parents was actually in Hokkaido, so I'd never seen... Uh, her before and she's so charismatic that little girl um her, her parents would just say rainmaker rainmaker so straight away she'd get into the pose which made the perfect photo and then as soon as you finish the photo she wants to come up and and high five um so she was great and then i saw last night uh after the nagoka show there was a um a girlfriend and boyfriend uh both dressed up as shinsuke nakamura so they're cosplaying the same character together and the guy uh, kindly did his, uh, got on the ground and did that post that Shinsuke always does uh, beneath the bottom rope um, underneath the New Japan truck, which is very good. So uh, I, I'm sure over the next uh, 10 days or so, um, I'll see some more. But some of these cosplay guys, they travel as well. I saw Okada and the uh, Mighty Skill uh, guy uh, last night here in Nagoka. And that's a good couple of hours away. So clearly these fans are, are, are traveling around as well. So when you are outside of Tokyo, could you please talk to us a bit about what is your routine like for a typical G1 day, including before and after the show itself? Yeah, um, I like to travel Japan in more general terms anyway. So uh, for me, it, it's good fun to get around to see other places. I guess just the reality of the scheduling here, though, is that at most you've got one day in between, or often none. So like last night there was a show, tonight there's a show, Tomorrow night there's a show, all in three different locations. So I guess the most fundamental point is is making sure you get your train sorted to allow a little bit of time in case something goes wrong. And I talked about the weather before. It definitely does happen to get firstly from wherever you have been to the next place. Then what I've typically done is research um, certain restaurants um, that I want to try. Um, Japan, when you travel regional Japan, everywhere in Japan has its own local specialty. So I uh, did a bit of work on the restaurants before taking off and have made bookings to make sure I go and uh, uh, get into some of these places because you often have to book quite far ahead. So normally have lunch there. Then possibly, because um, I'm on the go quite a bit, I, I might have a quick sleep in the hotel in the heat of the afternoon. Um, a lot of the hotels I have as well have got onsen, so I normally try and uh, go on the onsen in the afternoon. Uh, then it's a show. The shows normally start local time around 6 or 7. They run for about three hours. So it does leave you a little bit tricky as far as dinner plans go because you're normally getting out of the show about 9.30 and particularly when you're in some of these smaller towns in Japan like Nagoka, for, uh, for example, there's not a lot open. So I've normally have to dash off and I did that last night to get to a local sober place and sort of just get my order in before last order then get back to the hotel. I think one thing I've been having problems with though is that I'm so buzzed after the show that it's hard to get to sleep straight away, especially last night after Sonata won, because uh, he's the guy I'm hoping to do well. So I just normally have to allow my uh, mind to cool down and eventually fall asleep at some stage. 
<laughs> do, do you find that the the audiences and the fans there follow along? I wouldn't necessarily say as passionately, but listen, we're staying up late every night. We're watching every single show. We're watching the tag matches. Do you find that the fans there kind of pick and choose their spots, or are they following along hardcore like all of us here? No, I think they're pretty hardcore. I mean, the, the good thing is in three years uh, over here, I've, I've made quite a few Japanese wrestling friends as well, so I'd like to think I sort of understand the psychology. And, and they've definitely got a lot of uh, hardcore fans. I've got one group uh, about two years ago, I was in a show in Osaka, um, and there was this Japanese guy next to me, and I got the impression he wanted to talk to me quite a bit throughout the show. And then eventually towards the end, he, he made a comment, and then it was in between matches, and he showed me a photo, and... Naito was sitting in a dentist chair, and I thought it was kind of a strange thing to show me. He said, oh, I'm Naito's dentist. And uh, he was explaining uh, how, how he uh, looks after Naito, and he eventually introduced me to this group of um, uh, Japanese dentists, uh, doctors, and nurses. So we've got this, like, Line chat group. Line is the main chat app everybody uses over here. It's called Tranquilo, and there's 10 of us on there. I'm the only gaijin, and because my Japanese is rubbish, they're all kind enough to speak English on the on the chat group with me. And all those guys, are, uh, they're really hardcore fans. Um, they they tend to watch pretty much all the matches on New Japan World. None of them is crazy as me, though, going around to all the shows, but they'll go. most of them are based in Tokyo, except for one of the guys who I'll see in the next day or two. He's based in Nara, which is close to Osaka and Nagoya. Um, but they are, they are pretty hardcore fans, I, I would say. Um, and I think a lot of the fans are quite new as well. I mean, certainly, as I mentioned before, three years ago, it's not nearly as popular as it is now. And these new guys, that they are rocking up to to everything. So if I'm sitting ringside or, or close to ringside, I would see a lot of the fans all of the time. And even if you go to outside of G1, like I think the real test for a fan is do you rock up to all the Kodakuen uh, house shows and all that. And those guys definitely do. So I think the um, supporter base is, is pretty hardcore, to be honest. I, I don't think it's too much different to uh, the uh, Gaijin from overseas. Obviously, the time scheduling is a lot easier. Um, I, I feel sorry for you guys having to get up whenever you do. Um, but I would definitely say the, um, the Japanese fans are pretty hardcore. Mm, nice. The, now, you, you touched a little bit on fan reactions to Fale and Tamatanga and Jay White. What's been the reaction so far to Okada? Uh, has there been uh, people scratching their heads, kind of questioning what's going on with him? Or what's been the general feedback uh, about Okada from the fans there? I think it is a real fascination. I mean, he, his his character is a very, very interesting one. I think some of the Japanese fans, going back to his, his title reign days, felt that at times he's a little bit stayed. He lacked a, a little bit of charisma. I mean, he did all the poses and everything. But did he really have a strong... Uh, personality or not and uh, I, I think that's what's been interesting for fans I think he's shown a lot more personality uh, now than in the past and I don't think everybody really understands where this character is going just yet you know that mix of sort of eccentric behavior sort of out of the ring and a little bit in the ring you know they're gonna is he gonna keep winning or not and it's funny um, because I was um, catching up with one of the guys um who I know at the company, um, one of the wrestlers, and he was saying even backstage that Okada is acting a bit strange, which is uh, quite amusing, I think. But um, I, I think the Japanese fans are, are quite liking this cut um, of Okada. I don't think anybody really saw this character coming. Um, so I think that's probably been one of the most uh, interesting subplots of uh, the G1 so far, I think. 
which wrestlers and which moments have elicited the biggest crowd reaction so far? And have there been any that have surprised you? Oh, that's, uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, there, there's definitely recency bias here, but I, I would certainly say the reaction Sonata got last night. Um, I, I think those wins where you've got one of those guys that's kind of at a certain level and maybe a particular result tends to take them one further gets a lot. I, I think the other one that sticks out for me, and apologies, I've, you know, I've been to like seven or eight shows now, so things are getting a little bit blurred, but, but Ishii beating Goto at Kurokuen, that that was a big result. I mean, I think everybody's been saying how good that match was. But on top of that, I think Ishii's often that guy that tends to lose those kind of matches and sort of walks off honourable in defeat. But I think the fact that he actually won that match as well, um, that, that was really, uh, really, really well received. I think the other thing as well that's been getting very good reactions, although it seems to be going in a slightly different direction the last couple of nights, has been... Yano's whole fair play gimmick. The crowd have really, really liked that. And I think he's got like a, uh, a Greco-Roman wrestling background. So he actually can do some stuff. And I think everybody's known that for some time. But in those first couple of matches, when he was going down that whole fair play line and trying to wrestle properly against, uh, I think it was Zack Sabre Jr. and maybe Ishii as well, um, that's certainly been getting uh, great reactions as well, even though Yano is uh, typically on the losing side of the ledger most of the time. Now, as I was watching last night's show, I did see you after the Naito match, uh, clapping and, and cheering away after Naito got his big win against Tamatonga. So you've got really good seats. You, you're often front row or very close to it. Have you had any brushes with danger, seeing as the New Japan wrestlers do like to uh, brawl by the ringside? No, not so far, to be honest. And, I mean, I've got quite a rational uh, approach to this. I, I think when you watch some of the... Japanese, in particular, female fans on the TV, they uh, sell, uh, as you might say, very, very well. But I think that's a very much legitimate selling, legitimate fear that they're really, um, you, you know, going to get damaged. But I've been sitting uh, close by the ring probably for the last two or three years. I've definitely had guys like right at my feet and guys stomping over each other. But uh, for me, that's the most exciting time. So rather, rather than sort of any fear, uh, it, it's more... Uh, a sense of excitement, I think. There, there was one, um, the, the, I think it was the last show at Kuala Kuen, uh when Kenny fought Tamatonga. He did sort of a dive out to the uh, out to the barricade, and th that got quite close as well, actually. But uh, so far, so good. No injuries. I obviously can't afford to have one. I, I need to make sure I can uh, physically attend all the remaining shows. You, you, again, we touched a little bit upon fan reaction, and we talked a little bit about how they're feeling how are you feeling Let, let's get your takes on this um give us give us your take on tamatanga so far um are, are are you into the heel character are you into the interference are you into the all the ref bumps give us your take on him yeah i i mean one one, one thing i always try and be uh as a fan and sort of on twitter and stuff like that as well it is to be positive and and, and try not to get too down on stuff but for me, I mean, again, I told you at the beginning, sort of my attraction to New Japan has been more the whole strong style, sort of two guys in the ring just uh, going hard and better man wins. So I, I must admit, at a personal level, this this whole Bullet Club stuff is probably not really my thing. Um, and I think there's probably a couple of um, a couple of issues with it. Well, one thing I thought was a bit strange, but I guess it, it is a story that the telling is right from the off they've been like this so i think in farley's first match and in theory 
although it's not really that realistic. Farley is always getting enough points to be in the mix towards the end. Yet, you know, he's happy for Tama Tonga and, and crew to run in on his first match and get a, a DQ and kind of in a tournament sort of setting, you kind of wonder, does that really make, um, you know, a lot of sense? Um, so, so that was kind of one, one thing I thought at the beginning. And then sort of secondly, I suppose, the problem, I think, with Tama Tonga a little bit, and it's held him back both before and after this whole piece, is just, you know, where is his charisma and and what level are his ingring skills? And and I think he's not a bad fit in the company, and he's a dojo boy. He sort of trained up locally, as did Farley. So I think they're always going to have a spot there. But it's kind of like, is he really the faction leader? And I think a lot of people are speculating that maybe there'll be somebody else that connects up with them. So I think I have to kind of reserve my judgment until the end. But my feeling would be that if it just remains the three of them, and the story doesn't go too much further, then then I'm not so sure. Because, again, I suppose the whole reason you'd sort of build up a faction like this is that, you know, you've got some particular feud in mind or one of these guys is going to be the breakout star. But to me at the moment, among those three, it's just not overly clear to me uh, which one of those existing guys, at least, uh, would, would fall into that bucket. Right. And now you have seen some really great pro wrestling. Right, G1 always seems to deliver, and it never disappoints. And you've been there for every show. So we're going to ask you a little little two-part question for you. One, your favorite match so far. And then two, who's been your MVP so far? I think uh, the favorite match so far is definitely uh, Ishigoto. I think for me that's, that's the sort of classic New Japan strong style when you've got two exponents of it. You know, they're both uh, from the same faction. They both got a lot of respect for each other. You know, they weren't relying on any gimmicks, shenanigans, run-ins, crowd brawling or whatever. That That's just basic storytelling in the ring. And I think at Kodakuen, they got a huge reaction for that. I think it's got a nice low ceiling, as as you'll know, Damon, from being there. So all the noise stays internally. So that that, that was, for me, the, the, best, uh, the best match so far. In terms of MVP, and and I'll 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 concede to some bias here because it's the guy that that I support and want to win would, would be Sonata. I think he's been very uh, adaptable with his matches so far. I think he had a fantastic main event with Ibushi last night. I don't think that was really going to surprise everybody that two great workers. But the way he gelled with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. as well, where he's kind of out wrestling him with all those complicated technical wrestling. And he comes from all Japan and got trained up by some of those guys that really know their stuff. So that was a really uh, good match as well. He sort of, I think, did the... uh, uh, the baby face that got away with one against all the DQ interference against Tamatonga very well in his opening effort against uh, Goto as well was very, very good. And so for me, again, a little bit of bias there. He, he's the guy I want to win, uh, but he would be my MVP so far. I, I'd also say, though, very honourable mention to, to Jay White, who I think has brought his character along really, really well so far. And I think he's doing some stuff that's both classic, but also introducing some very unique things that I don't think too many of us would have seen before. I'd like to ask you about brushing shoulders with some of the big stars. Uh, So let's start with the biggest. Please tell us about the exciting time that you met Damon. Ah, jeez. Oh, Lord. I just uh, patting my heart to to call my nurse to talk about the first time I met Damon in person. That was... uh, that, that was quite something. No, it was very good, actually. As in, I think Damon may have uh, alluded to it in the past. So 
Um, certainly for me, I, I think being a Gaijin fan in Tokyo, it's it's quite unique experience to listen into the Gaijin podcast. It's always a fun way to sort of get other people's thoughts on matches that you've seen. So I was an avid uh, listener of the Purecast, and um, I think he came across for Wrestle Kingdom a couple of years back, and I think he put out on Twitter he's off to Yano's, and I thought. Ah, uh, screw it, I'll just uh, rock up and say hello. And I thought it might be a little bit weird, but it, it, it was fine. There was a group of eight of ten of them already sitting down, and sort of I just uh, rocked on up, and I think a few people looked over, who is this guy? And I was like, yeah, hi, I'm Fraser. I, I listen to your show. Do you mind if I join? He's like, go ahead. So we had a, a good time there. I think Yano was there that night. He, he was a tag, part of the tag team champions at the time, so we all got to hold the bout. So, no, it was good fun. And, and it was nice having listened to the show for so long to actually meet the person behind it. And, and I think just to convey some thanks. I know you guys are you know, spending a lot of your own personal time doing it. And sure, there's an element of fun, but I'm sure there's an element of uh, time consumption and, and burden at times. And, you know, just my main uh, point was to just uh, convey my gratitude, much like the, uh, the Super J podcast now. Yeah, and thank you very much for listening. It's great to have you on. Um, so you talked a bit about meeting Damon. Could you tell us about any other big names that you've met? Any interesting factoids or anecdotes about the stars? Well, I've got, I think, a nice surprise for you boys, actually, which is that um, being a New Zealander, as I mentioned before, um, I, I've got to know one or two of the, the, the Kiwi guys. And the guy I've spent a bit of time with now on a couple of occasions uh, has been Hinare. And for me, I was really, really interested to to meet him. He's come from New Zealand, and as I think as most of your listeners will know, he actually came up through the dojo system. So he was somebody um, who had trained and was spotted by Farley over in New Zealand. Farley brought him across, and he did the reel from ground zero uh, upwards um, where he was at the uh, at the dojo doing the whole Japanese getting trained, cook the meals for the senpai or the senior and, and do everything from the ground up. So it was fascinating um, talking to him. And and he's a very, very humble guy. He's only 25 and, you know, he's trying to plan out um, his career ahead of him. And he's obviously got aspirations to get up the card, as, as any wrestler does. Um, so it's really interesting to hear his story and get his takes on sort of how he's positioned. You know, there's speculation. Might he join the Tongans and all that kind of stuff? And those guys don't get told anything. So they don't know where the character goes, but they have their own aspirations about factions they'd like to join, how they can get up the card. I think he's got a singles match against Finlay in that last weekend, which is being sort of uh, jokingly referred to as a C-Bop final. And the nice thing about Hinata, he's he's a real wrestling fan as well. So when we've been talking recently, he's like, oh, who do you think is going to win A block? Who do you think is going to win B block? And, you know, he's got his own ideas as well. And it's really cool. And I um, and I told him uh, that I was going to ha- have a chat on a podcast. And I said, oh, would you, would you be keen on joining? And I can confirm, gentlemen, that he has officially conveyed his uh, keenness to join you on the podcast. So rather than me tell you all about Hanare, um, he's all ready to chat to you guys directly. Oh, excellent. That'll be very exciting. And uh, right, got- I, I guess one other wrestler uh, I, I have met um, before is, is Sonata. I, I mentioned to you guys before that the sort of I know these doctors uh, and, and nurses group before. One of the doctors has been sort of a long-standing sponsor of Sonata for a long time, going back to his All Japan days. So every now and again, um, he'll meet up for some drinks. Uh, Sonata's a really, really nice guy. He's very, very humble, very, very polite. If we go from one place to another, he's always the guy opening and closing the door for everyone. 
Um, and he, as I mentioned before, is from this part of Japan where I am right now in Niigata, a very sort of quiet uh, uh, countryside prefecture. And um, he spent some time in TNA as well. And I guess, you know, one of the realities of being a Gaijin fan here in Japan is you've always got that language barrier at times. But Sonata's uh, English is actually pretty good. He claims it's not, but it, it is pretty good. And um, on one evening, uh, we ended up going to karaoke and I did a duet of New York, New York with Sonata. And I kind of thought, okay, I never really saw this uh, coming in my life, but this is quite good fun. But um, he's a really, really nice guy. And I sort of heard from Hinata as well, sort of backstage and stuff that he's also really nice as well. So um, these are probably two of the guys I, I know better from, from the current uh, group of wrestlers. Okay, um, great stuff then. Uh, last question for you. Let's have a prediction, please. Who's in the final and who wins? Mm, I, I think one thing I've learned with uh, sort of following G1 really closely over the last three years is you can never really get into to, to Gero's mind. In 2016, the final was Kenny and Goto. I don't think anybody, and this was certainly before sort of Kenny broke through, that was a tournament to get him through. No one was expecting either of them. Whereas last year, it was a much more predictable booking. I've got a feeling this year, um, Jay White may well come through um, on the uh, on the uh, A block side. And B block, I think it's going to be one of the two guys in the main event last night. I think popular opinion is that it's Ibushi. Um, and again, maybe it's my bias, but I'm sort of holding out some hope for, for Sonata. I think he's got a match against Naito right at the end there, which I think will, will tell a lot. But to me... Um, I, I would have discounted Sonata's chances and would have been almost nailed on for Ibushi had Ibushi won last night. But given that Sonata got that victory, I think there's still an outside chance it's either him or Ibushi going through to the final. Okay, and for the other block? Uh, that, that's Jay White again. Uh, Jay White on the A-block side. I, I think the only guy that could bring him undone, and it's possible, would, would be Okada. I, I can't see anybody outside of those two uh, <laughs> Getting through, but I've been surprised by Ghetto in New Japan many times before. So uh, who knows if I'm right? All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, please, anyone who's listening, give Fraser a follow on Twitter at Fraser Japan, where you'll be able to see all his photos and uh, see how he's getting along with his G1 Odyssey. Fraser, have you got any plugs or comments you want to make before we wrap up? No, not really. Uh, you've covered the Twitter handle, so anybody, uh, please feel free to follow along. If you've got any questions about what you saw or what, what seems to be going on in the crowd, uh, let me know. But otherwise, guys, uh, I enjoy your work. Um, I've told, uh, as I mentioned before, I've already dropped a note to Hanade, so he's expecting you to reach out to him at some stage. He's a lovely guy. He'll make whatever time you want. Um, so, so please uh, hit him up. But otherwise, uh, everyone, enjoy the G1, um, and uh, let's have some more fun. Right, so I hope you all enjoyed this bonus Super J cast and uh, hopefully we'll be able to check in with Fraser a bit later on down the G1 tour and see how he's holding up. So uh, as usual, you can follow us at, on Twitter at the Super J cast. Leave us a, a five snake review on iTunes. Thank you all very much for listening and goodbye.
In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and in me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.